Um, I never baked like in my life. In my, as with so many Asian households, the oven was used as like a cupboard, you know, where all the all the pots and pans are, you know, everything you can find that was in the oven. And the only time the oven was ever turned on was for Eid, when mom would make like roast slab or something. So we never baked at home at all. So um, what would you say to those people that are probably in that position yeah. to kind of say, you know what, just, just do it? Like. I'd just remind them that they're going to die. You know, that's the one certainty that nobody has ever overcome. Yeah. Every single person who's been on this planet either already has or will die. So, so any opportunity you've had will cease. Any person you've ever loved will no longer be there. You, you're only here once and that shame or that fear you're feeling will be irrelevant in 10 years time. Nobody's going to care about nobody's going to care about you in 10 years time or how you dressed or what you ate or how you looked, what your hair color was, who you prayed to, who you dated. No nope. um, and so with the same landlords we negotiated a contract for the Grand Central property. Mm. But let me tell you this stay away from the Grand Central. Really? Is it that stay bad? away from it. I'm not saying it's just because of my bad experiences. Okay. Um, if you're looking, because when I start a business, I want it to be a success. I don't want to just about, just about yeah, you know, course, make ends yeah. meet. Yeah. There's no point in that. Um, so if somebody came to me and said, I want to start a chai business, I'm going to call it chai la la la. I'll be like, okay, yeah. you, you, you go do that. Um, so. What's going on, people? Welcome to the seventh episode of the Minted Minds podcast. Um, we're here joined with Ali Imdad. Um, you guys might know him from the great British Bake Off um, contestant. Um, he's also got multiple businesses, or he's had multiple businesses. We're going to dig deeper into that as well. Um, so, how are we, Ali? I'm all right, you know, the weather's good, so... Weather's banging, yeah. I know, I know, so I'm happy. It's one of those days, you know, you really get sunshine in the UK so when it's out just lifts the mood when the when the weather is like this I, I, like it just puts everyone in a good mood yeah I know it puts I me in a good mood you either be in a good mood or you just take all your clothes off and like, sit in the park it's like one or the other this is the first time I actually wore shorts in garden yeah how do like, you feel I feel free do you feel free <laughs> I feel free you feel liberated uh, it, feels, it feels nice good because we don't often get this weather do you we know don't so? you know we don't so enjoy it while it's okay plus we, so if you guys if you don't know we're literally sitting outside um Coco by Ali, which is one of his businesses, his current businesses. And the location, mashallah, it's bang on, bro. It's cute, it? It's a cute little spot. Yeah. Then we got um, lucky with this area. So, now that we're on the topic, let's talk about it. So, I know before Coco by Ali, you had um, a few other businesses. So, where did your business journey start? Not your baking side, so we know you're a baker. Huh. So, where did your, what was your first business? First business actually was Coco. Um, oh right, okay. A, so a lot of people think Artisan was um, my first business, which is a dessert place in Dedipur Road. But it was never mine. Artisan was never mine. I was just the head baker there. Um, okay. So it belonged to uh, some school friends of my older brother, um, and they approached me straight after Bake Off. They said they're opening up a dessert place. So I want to do something a little bit different. Um, a little bit different than, you know, your normal cookie doughs and waffles. And they were like, do you want to get involved? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because I used to work in marketing before and I've always wanted to make a career in sort of baking. 
So I thought that was a perfect opportunity to kind of um, help be part of a journey without like taking on the full responsibility of having your own business. So uh, yeah, they approached me to open a dessert parlor. Would you want to get involved? I said yeah, and that's kind of where it started. So uh, I sort of helped curate the dessert range, and I worked there for about two years, I think. Um, and yeah, they they went from strength to strength. They did great. They're still on, they're still you know they're still going strong now. Um, so were you a partner of the business? No, I, I when it comes to the actual business side, I had nothing to do. I was just an employee. Oh, um, okay. But, you know, we, I got along with the owners very, very well and, you know, we're still in touch, still in touch now and um, they're doing great. Um, but this came a time where I was like, okay, after about two years, I was like, okay, I, ha I have the skills that I need now. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, um, I just sat down with them. I'm like, am I good to leave now? Um, and obviously, you know, I'd been there for so long and... I'd created such connections with them that it wasn't an easy decision. But, you know, we were like, yeah, you know, let's let me do my own thing. And they were going to carry on with theirs. And that was that. Did but they know that the time was coming, that eventually you would have to leave or was it? Yeah, no, I, I think I think they didn't know that I wasn't going to stay there forever. Um, and about the two year mark was kind of about right. So I don't think it came as a massive surprise. Mm. Um, and you know they had found their own strength in what they were doing I don't think they needed me anymore um, okay. so we just I don't like to say parted ways because there was no animosity or anything it just I was no longer you moved on to whatever you had and they were carrying on with the strengths yeah. that they had because yeah. I was under the impression and I think a lot of people were under the impression that Artisan Alim Dad yeah, yeah, yeah. Sees Restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you were pretty much the face of it yeah but I think that was the intention. That I was, was always meant yeah. to be the face of it um, because it, it worked for both parties because it worked for them because I drew in the crowds because course, I was off yeah, the bake yeah. off. It worked for me because it was a good testing ground to see one, whether I could draw in the crowds and two, whether people appreciated things I, were, I was doing. Um, so it, that was, a, that was a, uh, an intended okay. uh, direction we were going in. So it wasn't like I wasn't aware that people thought it was mine. I was fully aware that people thought it was mine. So were the owners, um, but it worked for both of our interests. So I was just, I was alright with it. So so did, so you had no um, part in running of the business. You were purely well, the head chef, or no, no, did you dabble in, in it as well? No, or? I. You know, we all got on really really well, and they would ask for my advice. And you know, while the final decisions were never mine, okay. You know, they were very receptive to ideas and suggestions. Um, so I would say I helped in building the business up. Um, so yeah, I would say I was part of the decision-making process, but the business wasn't ultimately mine. I think that, that's probably a good thing because you didn't have the burden of having all that pressure of yeah. running it, which I'm pretty sure you know now when yeah. running your own businesses, what type of stresses there is, making sure that employees are getting paid, making sure the rent and rate, all that stuff. So. Do you reckon your experience in Artisan and having that sort of um, experience helped you build what you've got now? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm still in some ways indebted to them because that was my first sort of foray into, you know, doing desserts, not just as a hobby, but as a means of making money. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, absolutely. If it wasn't for 
those guys giving me a chance to be a part of artists and I'm not sure if Coco was to exist. So even though I, it wasn't my business, it was absolutely part of my journey. Mm. Okay, so let's take it all the way back. Um, you're a baker. Mm. If you had to label yourself now, <coughs> so you know you've got your own business, you yeah. also, like, what are you first? Like, are you a baker? Are you an entrepreneur? I hate the word entrepreneur, but oh, I say okay. I'm a, because there's, there's so many connotations to entrepreneur. You always see on people's Instagram bios, yeah. you know, the, they sell a few t-shirts and they're an entrepreneur. And yeah. that's not me, that's not me knocking them down. It's, <laughs> it's this thing that entrepreneur is now synonymous, synonymous with like influencer, yeah, 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 where yeah, it's yeah. no longer something that you are, it's a label or an identity. And I don't identify as an entrepreneur. It's just by business. That's what I am. I, okay. you know, I run a business. I, I run businesses. That's what I do. So, I'd say by trade I'm an entrepreneur. But you won't find that on any of my yeah, business cards or my <laughs> Ali titles. Ali, the passive entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> the entrepreneur. No. Yeah. Okay. It's it's my it's what I do, but it's not my identity. Yeah, I think because I think you're right in ways because everyone throws it up on their Insta bio, as you said. To sold a few t-shirts that's it and I'm a, so you kind of there's no value in calling yourself an entrepreneur I mean if there is a value I, I just think you know find value in yourself rather than your identity okay fine you, you have a hundred thousand pounds because you're an entrepreneur but you know the value is you you, you don't need to sh you don't need to blast to the world that you own businesses I mean nobody cares like yeah, yeah, yeah. literally nobody cares um, so it's it's not it's not the fact that entrepreneur is being used here, here or there, it's the fact that it's being used as a means of showing off almost, okay, okay, uh, yeah, of yeah. showing yourself as, look, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm look like, at me, look what yeah, I'm doing. I'm better look what I'm doing, I have businesses. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just not what you should be doing. I know this is slightly off topic, it's just, you don't need to boast about your successes. The world doesn't need to know. I, I, I ordered it oh, for okay. them. Uh, um, oh yeah, cheers, thank you very much. I just thought the world doesn't need to know. Um, that you're an entrepreneur, you can be successful without having a picture of a car that you probably rented um, and having the label entrepreneur out there because it cheapens your successes. Mm. Um, and it also cheapens that term entrepreneur. Mm. Um, so it's just on a personal level, I don't like to use that term because you know, I am Ali first and foremost. I'm from Alam Rock. I enjoy baking. I have really good friends. Oh, and I also happen to have a business. You know, for someone that's from Alam Rock, yeah, you don't sound like you're from Alam Rock. Yeah, I know. Lots of people say that. I, I when I first found out you were from Alam Rock, I was like, what? Yeah. I was born in Alam Rock. I went to school in Alam Rock. I still live in Alam Rock. Uh, my family are in Alam Rock. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd probably put my hands up and say, I don't sound like I'm from Alam Rock. I, you know, let's be honest, there is a culture in Alam Rock, you know. Most Asians know that culture. They know what it's about. And, you know, and well. The thing is, it's it's a struggle. You know, there are parts of the community that bring the rest of the community down. Um, there are parts of it which are a little bit shady. But at the same time, the reason why I don't like knocking Alam Rock is people forget that there is still institutional racism that brings Alam Rock down. Yeah, There's yeah. a reason. When was the last time anyone saw a police officer walking around? Uh, Alamak, they don't do it anymore. Okay. You'll have them in more affluent areas, yeah. you know, keeping rich white people safe. safe yeah, yeah. But when it comes to the communities, you know, they just don't care. They don't care. They don't mm -hmm. care. So, whilst I always say there are problems in Alamak and there are major problems, 
it's not always because we want you know prostitution or, or we want drug lords or racketeering yeah, it's not that we want it it's that it's so hard for people in Anamak to find success because we're not given those opportunities so is are they always to blame you know think about it if you have grown up in poverty you have six or seven brothers or sisters um, your dad may or may not be around your mom may or may not be around you need to make an income the world doesn't give you an opportunity but someone says I can give you a good income by selling a few, you know, yeah, yeah, packs exactly. of weed. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying it's a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. But am I gonna? And I, am I gonna be like, oh, you deserve to go to prison because yeah. you try to find some success? Nah. I think you have to realize that a lot of people who do these things don't want to do these things. Yeah. But the the culture of this society is that a lot of people have no choice mm. because workplaces don't give you an opportunity because your name is Mohammed or Abid or Aftab. Um, universities don't take you seriously because you're from a working class family and you're brown. Society doesn't give you a chance because your parents speak Urdu or Punjabi. So you have so many factors that are working against you um, that I'm not surprised it's taking Alamok so long to come out of that sort of culture. So I always say I'm proud to be from Alamok. It's, you know, I, I, I don't say there are a lot of differences that like my family have with other parts of the community but still you know mm. we all mm. we all find a way of making an income and I'm hoping to find a way to invest in the community give it a chance so it can find its own feet because if I'm being honest with you I don't think the country is going to give it a chance yeah, so I'm hoping course, the yeah. people who do make it from the community will give it a chance that's quite interesting that you said that um, because believe it or not actually one of our first guests on the podcast um, I don't know if you've heard of him, Cameron Arif uh, from the Lime Tree Clinic. Oh, I know so the does, Lime Tree Clinic. Yeah, 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 so he does copying and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually from Alam Rock as well, yeah, and he still lives in Alam Rock, yeah, even yeah. though he's found, you know, success, mashallah, and he's doing really well. He's also from Alam Rock. He's also proud that he's and, and says with an open chest, I'm from Alam Rock. Yeah. And it's quite it's nice to know, that, like even for yourself, even though you've reached a certain amount of success, you're still able to say, you know what, I'm happy, I'm proud to say I'm from Alam Rock. Hundred percent. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, and I, I completely agree, you know, with the opportunities. Um, but I think now now we have the internet, now we have uh, a lot more opportun- opportunities mm. that we did from maybe a couple of five, ten years ago. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and this podcast is one of the reasons why I've started it. Just to show people, one, the sort of mindset that you have to have to kind of push through the struggles. You can't fall victim to your surroundings. You can't mm. say, because I'm from this area, I'm going to, yeah. Uh, or you know like yourself you're from Alamrak you've not given yourself that victim mentality thing to think you know what because I'm from this area I'm not going to go and try and make some success of myself so that's quite interesting okay so baking where did that where did that come from how what inspired you to start baking is there like a moment where you thought this is me forever sort of thing like mm. let's talk a little bit about that it's there are two two sort of aspects to it um, I never baked like in my life in my as with so many Asian households, the oven was used as like a cupboard, you know, where all the all the pots and pans are, you know, everything you'll find that was in the oven. And the only time the oven was ever turned on was for Eid, when mom would make like roast slab or something. So we never baked at home at all. Um, it was only when I moved away for uni um, that a housemate of mine, he um, introduced me to baking. So he was the kind of guy who was like, the house has to be spotless. 
um, the kitchen isn't just like for, to hold your plates and a microwave. He was like, no, just because we're students doesn't mean we're going to be having pot noodles every day. Because that's what we used to do. We used to have takeaway and, you know, whatever we can find. He's like, no, we're going to start cooking. We're going to start, you know, baking. And he had a cookbook. And that, that was it. He said he started making some food. Um, and then we got to the baking section of the cookbook, which was, you know, stuff like chicken pie, cottage pie, um, and then, you know, cakes and macarons and stuff. And then um, every Thursday, we'd have some of our uni friends around. And then he was like, okay, Thursday's gonna be. Uh, I've been thinking back, it was kind of weird. Because uh, we were all lads, you know, it wasn't yeah. like a, a mixed group. Let's have a baking party. So, yeah, it was literally <laughs> like all lads would come down straight after football. And there, were, there was us bringing out the Victoria sandwiches <laughs> and like. And some chai. It didn't seem weird at the time, but in <laughs> yeah. hindsight, oh, looking back. Yeah. But yeah, so with every Thursday, uh, our housemates and all our friends would come round, and me and my friends out here would bring out the Victoria cake or cupcakes or macarons, <laughs> and we'd literally just chat about you know whatever politics, theology, football, um, and we'd eat cake. And then uh, I was also part of the Islamic Society at okay. my uni. What um, university was it? University of Leicester. Oh, okay. okay. And um, every year we used to have uh, a, ch a charity bake sale. It used to be called Charity Week. I mean, we used to have a bake sale. And every year it was the same thing. The girls would bake. Like, it was just a standard. This is, you know, we had the, the guys, we had the girls. The guys would do jack shit. And shit, yeah. the girls would, would bake. And I hated that. Something I've always grown up is I, I hate, um, uh, I guess, stereotypes. I hate this idea that guys have to do a certain thing and girls, girls do a, s a certain thing and i know biologically there are differences of course they are and you know guys will always be bi generally biologically stronger girls tend to be more you know more maternal but when it comes to to baking or cooking i mean there's nothing in a female yeah. that makes them more but likely if, to, to cook there's bake. a lot more f as, um, celebrity male chefs male chefs yeah which is but when it comes to society it's always the females yeah um, and I just hated it. I thought it was embarrassing that there's a committee with equal amount of guys and girls, and yet there was never a conversation of guys uh, donating to the bake sale. It was always girls. So I was like, I can bake. I'm going to do it. And so I was the first guy who started to bring cupcakes and macarons. And then obviously I socially pressured the other guys in the committee that, you know, you're going to bring something as well. Even if they brought something, I was like, you're not just going to have the girls bringing stuff because it's such a, you know, it's such a stupid precedent that especially go, if you go back about 10 years ago there was this idea that Muslims are more cultural based than, than anything else that you know the yeah. women stayed at home and yeah, yeah, the yeah. men led the way I was like what example are you setting that the girls are standing there selling cupcakes bringing in cupcakes and the guys are just standing there as though you know the women have done what they were meant to do and the guys just stand and look you know look pretty or look pre pleased so I was like no if they're going to do it we're going to do it um and that led from one thing to another, started baking more. And then I started baking as a hobby. And then I used to get teased a lot for being a guy who bakes. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because it's not something, it's not that common, is it? Yeah, especially for 10 years ago, it yeah, was yeah. not common at all. Um, so my immediate friends were like cool with it. They're like, why would they complain? They were getting cakes every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, other people would talk and whisper, uh, you know, you know, why is this guy? Guy baking. Why is he baking? Yeah, why is he baking? What, what kind why of guy is he? Why is he not out there playing football? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm the kind of guy who, like, that wouldn't shut me down. I would just, I'd want to scream it from the rooftops. So, like, I wouldn't care at all what people thought. So I used to watch Bake Up. I was like, you know what? What would piss people off 
the most. I was like, why if I take it onto TV? Um, I like it. And so I applied. I had no idea I'd get on. I just wanted to show everyone, look guys, I'm applying for the Bake Off. Uh, because my, my brothers would tease me. They wouldn't tease, tease me like seriously. But, you know, they're, they're called Friendly banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, I don't give a shit what you say. I'm applying for the what Bake Off. Gave you, what gave you the, the courage to kind of stick with it? Even though you've got, you know, people whispering, you've got your own brothers, even though they're teasing you in a friendly way, but, you know. Um, probably because I've always been somewhat feminine since I was a kid. Um, I don't mean like I walk around in dresses <laughs> or makeup. What do you mean? Yeah, so what do you mean by so, um So, I was always more sensitive. Okay, um, and, and obviously that doesn't mean that's a feminine trait, but it was perceived as such, particularly okay, 10 okay. years ago. So I was always more sensitive. Um, I never liked sports. Like the idea of football, I absolutely hated. I'd pretend I like it because that was the, the social thing. norm, you know. A guy I don't like football. I, like, I don't watch it. I don't follow nothing. Of but it. but that's really that, that's not common. Especially people find it weird. They find it really and weird. To, and to be fair, sometimes I feel like I wish I did, just so I could be part of their conversation because exactly, exactly. they're so passionate. They're so passionate about it. That's <laughs> all they talk about. All my. Uh, all the my whatsapp groups um because about 90 percent of my friends are all guys and yeah 90 percent of guys are football you know, yeah, are yeah. for football um and so um i never was into football that was automatically a red flag um when i was like five my mom brought me a cardigan and it was glittery and obviously i didn't have a choice i was five years old yeah um so i would wear it but even then, it. kids were mean. You know what I mean. And so the, they'd say things, and I, I didn't understand it. I was like, "It's a nice, it's a nice cardigan. Like it's shiny." Um, and so stuff like that. I was, all, I've always been into fashion. You know, I love pink. I wear pink all the time. It's like one of my favorite colors. Um, and so there was all this, these little, you know, red flags that people were like. Um, Again, you wear pink. You know, you're a bit sensitive, as you said. Maybe, maybe a bit more emotional. But you're from Alamrock. Do you see, like, how have you managed to still keep yourself and be true to yourself, yeah. even though your surroundings may not have been so yeah. receptive to it? I think because, I think that is a, that's the thing. Alan Rock isn't actually like that. Okay, um, okay. Most of the guys there are the stereotypical tough, you know, tough yeah, lads. Yeah. But I've never seen anyone in Alan Rock be bullied for being different. There's actually a, a man who's trans. Okay. He lives in Alan Rock. He's a white guy and... Um, He'd, you'd say, I don't have to say politically correct, but he, you can, mm, some would say he doesn't pass as trans, as in you can tell he was, oh, right, he identified, okay. he was born male. Okay. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. identifies as female, but you, you can, can kind tell, of tell yeah, that yeah. at some point he, he didn't, he wasn't, he was a, he, he was assigned male at birth. And he, you know, I've spoken to him a couple of times, he said, I've never experienced any transphobia here. It's just that, you know, you do your own thing. In Alamark, you know, they don't really care that much. You yeah. know, you do your own thing. And as long as you don't, um, um, you know, mess with the community that is, you know, play loud music in the middle of the night or bring trouble to the community, you know, they're Space. fine. Uh, I have family friends and I have friends in Alamark who, you know, are very much part of the community and they know what I'm like. And yeah, they don't, they don't care at all yeah. because I do my thing, you know. And so Alamark has never been the issue. It's just... It's just generally lads at school or whatever. Um, but I, I just always hated that. And um, I was, I've never been someone to be like, I'm going to change how I am or who I am because so-and-so yeah. uh, doesn't like it. It was actually because when I was about 
16 or 17, I read an article and it was a study uh, on people who are dying. So um, this nurse did a study of people on their deathbeds and she asked them a series of questions. But the one question she asked all of them was, do you have any regrets of, of your life? And she said the most common answer was not living a life that I wanted to live. Mm. And that, and that, I was only 15 or 16, but that hit me straight away. And I was thinking, is that going to be me? Am I going to be 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 on my deathbed thinking, shit, you know, I've, I'm only here once, at least in this life, I'm only here once. Have I just missed the only opportunity I'm going to get just to please other people? And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so it was literally about that that age when I was like, I, I'm not going to give a crap anymore about what other people think about me. I'm just going to, you know, live my life as truly as I can to myself. And as long as, you know, God isn't uh, uh, let down by what I do, I really don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. So I, I think don't really care what anyone else thinks. With this whole, you know, you know, the whole social media now, we got to a point in life now, if you're not on social media, it's like, what? You're not, you haven't got Instagram, you haven't. Yeah. So social media is a big part of everyone's life nowadays. And the, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that can probably relate to you, you know, feeling as if you might, want, you might be sort of living your life where you're trying to fit in or you're trying to, you know, show off to certain people, or but you're not being true to yourself. Yeah. What would you say or what advice would you give to someone who's maybe feeling that type of struggle whether the young or old you know you could you could feel this at any stage of your life mm. um you know where you're not being really true to yourself and you really want to do something but you, you're scared of you know what people might say or like even for this podcast i was thinking you know it took me a little while to come around to think you know i'm just going to do it i don't yeah. care what people say or yeah, yeah, yeah. if it works out if it doesn't work yeah. out whatever i'm just going to do it so what would you say to those people that are probably in that position yeah. to kind of say, you know what, just, just do it. Like. I'll just remind them that they're going to die. You know, that's the one certainty that nobody has ever overcome. Yeah. Every single person who's been on this planet either already has or will die. So, so any opportunity you've had will cease. Any person you've ever loved will no longer be there. You, you're only here once and that shame or that fear you're feeling will be irrelevant in 10 years time. Mm. Nobody's going to care about, nobody's going to care about you in 10 years time or how you dressed or what you ate or how you looked, what your hair color was, who you prayed to, who you dated. Nobody's going to care. The only one who's going to care is you because the only person who's going to impact is you yeah. at the end of the day just don't be that person who's going to be on their deathbed because there are billions of people who have been there they've been on the deathbed thinking shit if only i could have had that opportunity again you know there are people in their graves if you're muslim and or, or if you're religious and you believe in an afterlife they're in their graves right now wishing that they could have the opportunity the opportunity that you have right now they would give i bet you they would give anything, anything. that they could just to be in the opportunity that you have and actually do the thing that you're too frightened to do. So, unless your safety is on the line or you're afraid mm. of what m might happen um, if you do what you want to do, just do it. Mm. Because in 10 years time, your failure or success isn't going to matter. 
you're going to have an opportunity again. If, if you want to do something you're afraid you won't succeed, you'll have another opportunity in five years. Mm. And five years is literally nothing. nothing. You know, if you waste five years, that's fine. I mean, I'm 33 now and I'm starting another business. I'm, I'm not like, oh shit, I'm, I'm not married. You know, yeah. I'm not sitting on my bed crying myself uh, to, sleep, to sleep thinking, oh God, I should. People think your life finishes. This is when your life starts. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm 32 myself for and sure. I've, I still feel like I'm in my 20s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it... it this is the prime of your life. You know, there are people who have been so massively successful in their 40s or 50s. Mm. Um, and none of them are sitting there thinking, oh shit, if I had done this earlier. Uh, oh, or maybe they are. Maybe you're in your 20s or your teens yeah. and you're thinking, shall I keep doing what everybody else around me is, is doing? Or shall I actually take the risk and do what I want to do? I can't emphasize this enough. Just do what you want to do. Um, I mean, as long as it's not something stupid. Uh, you know, if you want to be, be a porn star, it's up to you, but you I'm, I'm not going to encourage you to do that. Uh, but if you want to do what you want to do, just do it because you don't want to be that guy. That There are people on the deathbed right now thinking, if I had that chance, um, and that could be you or me in 10, 20, 30 years' time, don't, nah, it's definitely a good don't waste the opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. I 100% agree with that. Um, right, so... You're baking, mm. you're baking for friends that turn into mm. a really good hobby, and mm. then you thought, you know what, just to throw in people's faces, I'm gonna apply to the mm. Great British Bake Off. Mm. So, what was the process? You apply, you get an interview, do they tell you it's scripted, is it not scripted? Did it like, yeah, talk. so you apply by online form. Um, if they're interested, they'll give you a call, um, and then from that call, there are about maybe 10 or 11 different processes and stages before right, okay. you get chosen um, so it's it's very much a long-winded process I was one of the last people to be chosen so mine was in that long it was maybe about eight weeks six or eight weeks but for some okay. other people it was months um, uh, and then yeah so after all those auditions um, you get on it's not scripted at all um, it's very natural what you see is so you know the steps mm -hmm. to get to the um, was any baking involved? Yeah, yeah, so they'll tell you to bring some stuff in. They'll give you a theme. They'll say, bring in something savory, something sweet. <clears throat> and they'll say, um, bring in, they'll give you a very vague recipe of, let's say, bread. And you'll bring that in and okay, you'll have okay. food sort of producers and they'll test it. And then you'll also have to bake something there and then. And they'll make some mistakes in the recipe to see whether you pick that up. Oh, okay, uh, okay. They also do sort of psychological tests to see how you will cope with you know, the potential of fame or media criticism or scrutiny. The pressure. Um, yeah, and um, so there's a whole, you know, array of stages um, that they do. And um, then at the very end, they'll give you a call to see whether you're in or not. Um, I was lucky enough to be in. What was your reaction when they when you got the call? I was so ecstatic. I didn't think I would I would get in. Um, but yeah, I was over the moon. I, I was just like... Because uh, truth, if I'm being honest, I wasn't that good of a baker. I'd, I'd only been baking for a couple of years and it was only as a hobby. Um, so when I got on, I was like, like, are you sure? Like, have you got the right person? Um, so, so yeah, I was, I was really surprised. I got on, but I was really happy. And you know, the whole process was just so much fun. It was stressful as hell because everyone else was just so much better than me. Um, but do you think that's in your own head? You feel as if no, no, I, I, I was the most inexperienced, you know. I blagged my way on, is a, yeah. is a truth. I think they were more interested in my story, the fact that I was you know, a brown male baker, rather than the fact that, oh, this guy is super talented. Because <laughs> trust me, back then I wasn't. Um, so I, I literally blagged my way on. Um, 
and you know I didn't do amazingly well, but the ex the experience was so much fun. You know, I made friends for life on there, and you know, all of this is on the back of that. Comes from that, yeah. So it was a springboard. So regardless of how well I did or didn't, I didn't do. I have an entire business out of it. Do so. you think? Did that make it official for you in regards? To, so when did you know that baking was for you? Like you wanted to turn it into a career? Was it after the the Bake Off? Was it prior to the Bake Off? No, it was after. It was. So I got thrown out. Uh, you got thrown out. Well, no, no. I mean, I was. You know, oh, I I didn't okay. get past. Oh, okay. The, 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 so you know. I, like I haven't watched it. If I'm so it's like Apprentice. Like so week okay, by week, yeah. everyone's. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, someone's taken. What out. series was it? One of the early ones, like 2013. So it was oh, like, okay, because I tried to find ago. it, I couldn't. I couldn't. It was years ago. Okay. Um, and then I was like, shit. Okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and then I went back to my normal day job. But it was only once it aired, and you know, I was getting a lot of attention. I was being called on like TV shows and radio shows. I was like, what's going on? I came like ninth. I had like 13 people. I was ninth. I was like, there are so many people who came further up the chain than me. But it was just, it just grew from strength to strength. Um, I was on, you know, BBC Radio. I had my own show on British Muslim TV, uh, on Islam Channel, and I was making, you know, relatively decent money. Uh, and then, um, and a friend of mine, a college friend of mine, he was like, "Let's do something together," and, and that's where Coco was born. Yeah. Uh, so Coco was born before Artisan. Um, no, no. Coco was. Um, Born during Artisan, yeah. Oh right. Okay. Artisan, so, 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 so after the Bake Off, you got involved with Artisan, mm. but your own official business was Coco Bailey. All mm. oh, right. Okay. It's a Coco was just uh, it was just a discussion at that time. So whilst I was an Artisan, I was <coughs> I, <coughs> I always wanted my own business, but I couldn't afford it. I didn't have the money to, you know, start a business. I'm from Alam Rock at, at the end of the day, so you know <laughs> I wasn't born into money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so I didn't have the money, but my friend did, <laughs> uh, and um, and yeah, so artisan was essentially a training ground for me. Mm. So I was training in artisan, and that's when me and my my friend Saf decided to talk about Coco. So you so you know you were saying that you've always wanted to be in business. Mm. Has that been like your thing from day one, like since young? Like, you, no. did you know that you wanted to go into business? Nah. Or? nah. Okay, As I said, so I, I'm the quiet, sensitive. Like, I, I know I speak like confidently or com comfortably on camera, but yeah. I'm very much an introvert. I don't make friends easily. I don't like being on camera. Oh really? Yeah, I, I don't like it at all. Like, you know, when people recognize me. I, I, there's a joke at Coco that I pretend that I'm my brother. So when people ask, are you Ali? I'm like, no, no, no I'm, I'm his brother. Oh, I, so that's because you like you don't like the I, attention. I don't. I hate the attention. I hate it so much. Um, obviously, I, I I appreciate that people yeah, you know course, have yeah, an interest yeah. in me. That's I think that's super cool. But I'm not. So um, if you were like a major big time celebrity, you'd hate that. I'd. In, there, there are two things I enjoy about it. One, the money, um, because at the end of the day. Whilst money doesn't buy happiness, it buys you opportunity. Yeah, and I love yeah, the yeah. idea of going on holiday when I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family. Yeah, so I enjoy the money. And secondly, I I enjoy the um, the social responsibility. Uh, I'd say I'm, I'm a political activist. Um, okay. I, I'd love to use my platform as a means of uh, activism for, you know, things I care about. 
so I love that aspect, but the idea of going out on people or people having an interest in my life, I, I don't understand that at all. Like, so you've been on this podcast right now. Do you see the value in it? In the sense of me asking you the questions, you sharing parts of your life, parts of your success, the lessons that you've learned. Um, does that make you feel as if why do you want to know about me? No, or like no. I, I said that that's the only reason I agree to. It. There's so okay. many things I say no to. The okay. only reason I agree to it is because I know I would have like I would have needed to, to listen to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, it didn't exist. Okay. Um, so, but let's just say you was walking downtown. Everyone scream your name. Oh, Ali! Uh, I would pretend I was somebody I would else. Hate that I would, well. Yeah, I'd hate it. I'd pretend I was someone else. If you know, it's fun for a little while. You know, yeah. when it first started, I was like, you know, it's it's fun to have people appreciate you. Yeah, of course. But then yeah. when you realize, you know, you, you're just a normal human being, and mm. I don't like making friends much. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a very small group of friends, and I appreciate them loads. Where does that come from? Is that trusting? Is no, no, that, it's just, it's just, just you know, you. My, my brothers are quite open and my sister as well, you know, they're all very extroverts. It's just, I've always been an introverted person. I, you know, when I was at uni, I wasn't the clubbing kind of guy or like parties. I would absolutely love just to be at home mm. with my friends watching a film. Like that's what we always used to do. Uh, one of my housemates was into anime and we'd watch anime, just have the lights off, sit on the sofa, watch anime whilst my other friends were out playing football or going shisha. Um, that wasn't me at all. I just I'm just an introvert. I like doing my own thing. I like my own personal space. Um, I kind of forgot what the actual question was. We're just going. We're just we're going just with going the flow. With I, so I, you were talking that you okay. So you've been on the show. Yeah, yeah. And you said it's created opportunities yeah, for yeah. you. So if you go back, you said artisan was sort of your springboard, yeah, your training yeah, ground yeah. Um, for the birth of a Coco by Ali, which you founded with a business partner. Business partner. My it's, yeah. my, it's my college friend called Saf. College friend, yeah. Are you still with business with him yeah, yeah, as yeah, of yeah. today? Yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, because I know there was a, something happened with you guys in um, in Grand Central. Mm-hmm. Um, from the research I've been doing online, uh, apparently you got kicked out. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, like you were saying in one of your um, articles, maybe it's a blessing in disguise because this spot, bro, mashallah, is, is amazing. Isn't it? Isn't like, the weather yeah. is banging. You know, you've got mashallah, you got a nice little sweet spot here yeah. I think um, people come on secret dates here you know when you don't, you don't want to get caught because it's like it's accessible <laughs> it's, yeah but, but it's, it's a slightly bit yeah, yeah. so we have loads of people like I know you're on a when secret I was 17, 18, I could have done with this spot yeah yeah exactly uh, I, I see some people walk I'm like your brothers don't know you're here do they uh, but you know what I'm happy to serve that crowd I'm, I'm here to keep your secrets so so I asked you if, if business was something that you've always wanted. You mm. said no. Mm. Oh, I guess that was the question. That was the original question. And yeah. so you mentioned that you were in marketing yeah. first. Was mm. that what you were studying at uni? Yeah, I started business and marketing. And, you know, I'd always set in my head since I was a child that I was going to work for somebody. Okay, okay. Uh, I wanted an office job, nine to five. I do the best that I can in the job that I am. I have a healthy paycheck. That's it. That's all I really wanted. Um, it was only after the Bake Off um, and after Artisan or during Artisan did I realise that maybe I could actually start my own business. Um, but yeah, before that, wasn't wasn't it didn't even cross my mind. It wasn't even a peripheral thought. It was it was nothing. I'm just gonna do a nine to five somewhere. Yeah, that was going to be my life, and I would have been happy with it. Um, or at least I thought I would have been happy with it. But that was always going to be my set path. So, Grand Central. 
Um, was that the first, like, was that when Coco Bailey was born? Or? No, no. So, um, as I said, I was poor. Uh, I, I had no money to start a business. Uh, and my business partner, you know, he had more money than I did, but he didn't want to just jump into a full-blown yeah shop because you know he isn't from wealth either okay um he's from aston has he got business experience or no, no. Oh, okay okay uh he's he's just like me you know we're from working class families working hard to get some income um and so but he had a little bit more money than me so he's like let's do a pop-up um and so we did a pop-up in bullring link which is a sort of section like a really little small section between the bullring and grand central and it's, it's basically a closet it's a closet with a little you know, counter, counter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even though that was hella expensive, we had just enough money to do that, um, and so Coco started there. What do you mean by expensive? Was the rent expensive or rent? Yeah, the oh, rent is just ridiculously expensive. Yeah. It's more than this. That little closet wow. was, yeah, it was more expensive than this. That little closet, um, but because it was short term, they allowed us to do it short term. Um, so what? We, what made you do like a pop up? What like because. Going, going from no experience in business, fr- uh, having an idea of starting a business and setting up in like in a in prime location as Bullring and The Link, mm-hmm. what made you like take that risk? Why not start something a bit smaller, maybe somewhere elsewhere? Was it like a branding thing? Was it? Yeah, like- so it was a combination. Firstly, that like, that was as small as you could get in the city centre um, because it was short term. Other leases are, you know, you talk about minimum two years. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to tie ourselves into something that we didn't think would, you know, we, we didn't know would last. Of course, yeah. So with a pop up, you can do it for a week, two weeks, three oh, weeks. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So it was a six weeks con- six week contract, and um, we decided this would be a good idea to see whether there's any, you know, grounds for success for this. Um, and so yeah, we did it there and it was so popular like yeah. you know it was just week on week it was growing it was growing it was growing and that's and i was still at artist at the time but that's when we decided okay this business has ground you know like okay. um it has footing it has potential um and that that was when we decided we we're gonna find a more permanent place um and so with the same landlords we negotiated a contract for the grand central property mm. but let me tell you this Stay away from the Grand Central. Really? Is it that Stay bad? away from it. I'm not saying it's just because of my bad experiences. Okay. Um, firstly, the Grand Central is designed for businesses with power. Okay. So if you're McDonald's or if you're, yeah. you know, Nando's. Any of the major players. You can, you can negotiate and for every time Hammerson or the owners of Grand Central push you you can push back Back, because you have the influence and the power to do that and the money to do that but if you're a small business local independent you have no choice but to accept everything at their terms okay okay and this is one of the things I was talking about um, of people of color or people from underprivileged communities not being given a chance to succeed is because these multinational organizations make it so difficult for you. The terms they give you are ridiculous. They gave us a one-year contract, but they said we can throw you out in a month. They said that every just, that month. That sounds ridiculous. Could you imagine how much yeah, money you're yeah, pumping yeah. in to make it? Because they said it has to look a certain standard, which, yeah, yeah. which takes thousands of pounds I can imagine, to yeah. make it up. But they're like, well, if we want to throw you out within a month, every month, we can do that. 
I was like, well, what if you spend fifteen thousand pounds meeting the standard that they require, and yet and they then, still yeah. throw you out in a month? Yeah. What What do you do? You do nothing. You lose your money. So, these multinational organisations play with small independent businesses who are who are struggling as it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they make it so much harder for you. You might think that oh, but Bullring and Grand Central is where all the success is. They give you these false figures of um, footfall. Footfall, yeah. But these football, they're going to the train station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. These people are going home. They're going yeah, on holiday. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to your shop. They're not out shopping. Maybe about ten percent of those people are out shopping. Ninety percent of the people are just going to the train they station. They just play with those numbers, don't they? They play they with those numbers. Make it so enticing. They're salesmen yeah, at the end yeah, yeah. of the day. Do not fall for it. There is a reason why there are so many empty units there. So how long how long were you um, there? I don't remember, like six months or seven months. And then they and just kicked they you just called. It wasn't. It was. It was. First, it was the most rude conversation I've ever had. Okay. He just called me, and he said, "We're not entirely sure we're going in the direction that they wanted us to go in," which is weird because they never told us what direction what, they yeah, wanted what, us what to go mean? in. Like, and then they said, we're going to have to terminate the contract. And this was, you know, a few weeks before the end of the month. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I said, why? He said, because we're allowed to. I was like, are you going to give us a reason why? He's like, well, in the contract, it says that we can end the contract in the month. I was like, yes, but why? What have we done? Um, and then I made a complaint about them. And they said, no, he was in the wrong, wrong, he was in the right. Um, I was I was like okay, but can you tell us why? And they're like because we're allowed to. And they did an independent. Uh, so after after it went on to the Birmingham Mail and there was a first uh, a first thrown about it, they said okay, we'll have an independent person come in, in, in come in and review it. But they were paying this independent person. How is it independent if you're paying for that person to do a yeah, review? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then they, lo and behold, this independent person said, no, it was all fine, it was normal. I said, okay, well, will you ever tell me at all why we were thrown out? Never heard from them again. They didn't even reply to that. So they just basically bullied you out there? Yeah, they, they just said, we want you out. <clears throat> and what, what I feel it was is that we paid to get the standard of the unit up and they sold it on to someone, you know, who could, who wouldn't have to spend all that much all money. All that much money, yeah. Um, so you done that someone's dirty work. Yeah, And yeah. then someone else is just coming. Yeah, and that's why I felt that these companies just abuse independence because they can. And I've had loads of people within business say, you know, I'm being offered a really good rate uh, in the Grand Central or in Bouldering. Should I take it? A thousand times no. Just don't do it unless you feel you have the money and the legal backing to push back the way they're going to push you, uh, stay away. So you will never go back there again? Absolutely not. I've had other, we've had other um, supermarkets, not supermarkets, um, shopping centers say, say you know, would you consider us? Every time I just like, <laughs> are you, no, not at all. It's the day of shopping centers are coming to an end. You know, really? they, they, they really are coming to an end. There's well, a reason why Places like John Lewis has yeah. a phrase are ending because yeah, yeah. these they're not lasting anymore. Um, this place, the rent is maybe a fifth of what it was wow. there, and we are making so much. Thank God, we're making so much. It is it is so much more successful here than okay. it was there. Sure there we were struggling to we were fighting 
to get the people to come in here. Thank God they're just coming. People just come in, yeah. So well, don't let this idea. Really nice thank you. Don't let people. Don't let salesmen convince you that. I think it's just the whole idea of ah, oh, I'm a god. I'm in the bull ring. I'm yeah, in the Grand you, Central. You've, you've succeeded. I think from from a, a perspective like from the outside, if you hear about a place being somewhere, I think that helps probably lead the the brand in itself more so than the actual business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but, won't make um, money. Yeah. I, I still have friends who are there, and some of them say they know their businesses make a loss. But it helps helps with their branding. Branding, yeah. If you can afford that, if you can yeah. afford a loss leading <laughs> shop in the bull ring, yo, yeah. all power to you. Do it. There are strengths in having it yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I am from, as I said a million times, I'm from Alam Rock. I value my money. Do you know what I mean? I uh, yeah. I am in no position to throw away my hard-earned money because. <laughs> you know, just to know. So just have I'd a shop in Bullring just because of the name and branding. Yeah, it That's works ridiculous. for some. It works for yeah. some. I, I've spoken to some businesses who actually do that and yeah. they can afford to do that. That's brilliant. All power to you. Um, but for me, as my experiences as an, as an entrepreneur, it's not worth it. Um, this generation, I'm sure we'll go on to it later, but yeah. this social media generation does not need location anymore. Um, where you are is almost irrelevant because the way business works now for later millennials and gen z it is irrelevant where you are if you, if you had to start over all over again yeah and talking about what we just talked about now what you what would you do well so my business partner still thinks there was value in grand central i this is where we disagree no i kind of believe him and the reason why i say that is because i heard about coco about ali being in grand central now straight away that's giving your brand value straight away in my mind just by you being in Grand Central is crazy because I'm thinking, okay, such a powerful brand by someone that's been on the British Bake Off. Combine those two, it's like... Yeah, but how many people or how many businesses do you think could have survived being thrown out? That's of a Grand different Central? matter, yeah, so, yeah. You might hold, you might say, um, you know, I now have a brand image of you, but thankfully we had enough money to start this. How many people who had that brand image now no longer yeah, yeah, exist? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a gamble. So you lost that place because I'm assuming you must have put a lot of money to kind of put it all together. And we lost a lot of that money. Yeah. Yeah. So and then you lost a lot of that money. How did you manage to sort of pick yourself up and then think, you know what, we'll go again? Well, we scraped the barrel of our funds for okay. one. It took a while. But even mentally, because I'm sure that would have took a lot about you if someone just said to you, "Okay, look, see you later. We don't want you anymore." Yeah. Thank you for your business. Thank you for sorting the shop out, yeah. <laughs> fixing it up. You've done, yeah. you've done great work. Off you go. Yeah. Now I know that would have took me back, and I would have been pissed. I would have been, <laughs> you know what I mean. I would have been probably in my own head for a little yeah. bit. How did you mentally to kind of get yourself think? You know what? We we'll go again. Yeah. Well, uh, th that was never a question for me. I setbacks like that never, never bring me down. It didn't bother me in the slightest. As I said, I never want to be there to begin with. Um, so I was pissed off at how they dealt with it, but I wasn't pissed off about leaving Grand Central. If I'm being oh, honest, yeah, I, yeah. I was always like, a little bit was like, thank God. Slight relief. Um, yeah, slight relief. I never wanted to be there. Um, so as soon as this opportunity came, I was just like, I'm raring to go. I was so excited. You know, I was like, because our building was, uh, not building, our business was growing week on week, even when we were in Grand Central. So I knew there was a, a market for it. Um, and you know, we just scraped the barrel of, I mean, I won't go into figures because my yeah, business yeah. partner will probably shout at me, yeah. but 
I can't explain to you how little money we built this business in. Like, oh, so it was very, very little money. Um, it was a case of I was fasting, and yet I was here myself. These tables I built myself. You know, I come. Uh, you know how I said I am not the uh, the archetype male. Give me uh, <laughs> an IKEA thing. I will have no idea what to do. But somehow I managed to build some of these tables. I mean, if you look, if you look closely, you'd be like, okay, I can kind of <laughs> see it. But, no, fair play but a, a lot of these things I did myself. I gave my business partner too. You know, we were here late nights, you know, till 3 a.m. in the morning doing it all ourselves because we could not afford to have anyone else do it for us. It was done on the cheap. But we, I'm going to sound so cheesy, but we had a dream and our dream was to get this up and running again. Um, and just about, like literally just about with the little money that we had left over, we had it, had it open. And we were so afraid because we were like, one thing we always said was that we, if we owed money to our staff, there was, there was no question that our staff w would have to be paid. But we were afraid because we were like, you know, we had sold it. I think by the end we had like, in our in our bank, like in the hundreds rather than thousands. Oh, yeah. And we were like, we should always have a backup in case the first week doesn't go well and we need to pay our staff. Yeah. But thankfully the first week we made just enough and we could, you know, we, we could you pay start. our staff. And thank God week on week it was growing, month on month it was growing. And then now we're at a stage where we have, so we had maybe four or five members of staff. Now we have 15 or 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, so alhamdulillah, it's just gone from like strength to strength. And, you know, some of the stuff we still have, we have such a high level of... Uh, high retention. High Love. retention. So it'll be... High retention. Yeah, high, high retention. retention. Yeah. Uh, with our staff, we still have some of the same staff members from Grand Central. Because these type of businesses is normally high, high turnover. Very, very yeah. high turnover, yeah. But we have, you know, we have new people coming in. Um, the only time people normally leave is if we have students, students yeah. and then obviously after they graduate, mm. they, they naturally leave. But we have a WhatsApp group, um, our you know Coco WhatsApp group, and not a single st actually one only one staff member, staff member has left. Oh, really? So then we have about fifteen staff, and we have about thirty people on our Coco group. Because <laughs> uh, people don't leave because we're friends. all friends, so yeah. we still go out to to eat. Okay. Um, you know, we'll go out for meals when it's birthdays. Like July, we have about I think. 12 people whose birthdays on July and it's the most expensive month. <laughs> we hate it, um, but we don't do individual birthdays then we just have like one birthday meal because we're like, we're not going for a birthday meal every first, <laughs> second, third, fourth. Third. We have three people who work here who are born on the same day in wow. July, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Do they, get, do they get any perks on their well, birthday? Well, <clears throat> not from Coco, but as in we go out just for friends. a meal and then yeah. uh, we, we get each other presents and stuff. <clears throat> My thing is, we have perks here anyway, so they don't pay for food, even if they're, <coughs> even if they're not on shift, even if they don't work here anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, with, with people who, who <coughs> left us years ago, they still come here and have food. We don't, we I don't want to ask you a it. question, because I don't know if you know, I've also got a dessert shop. Oh, do you? Yeah, I so have no I've, idea. I've got in, uh, it's one in Smedic. Now, so I kind of know the kind of the struggles of starting your business yeah. and, you know, putting your elbow grease in, especially at yeah. the beginning doing a lot of the stuff yourself people think oh you own this oh you must be you must be minted you must be minted but little do they know like the amount of work and the amount of you know you got bills you got rent rates and you know wages and all wages sorts. wages that's the killer i mean yeah. i really love my stuff yeah but when you see that chunk go yeah, out he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah so i know a thing or two about you know i had the struggles about it 
No, you said that you, there's a high retention rate, so you get along with your staff. Yeah, yeah. Very, you know, um, I'm sure they love you too. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> but um, do you ever feel as if there's like a line that you can't sort of go past? Because let's just say you make friends with your cut. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know, these are your employees, yeah? yeah? yeah, yeah. And there's got to be times, I'm sure, that you've got to put your foot down with yeah. them. You can't be doing that. Yeah. Or you, do you ever feel as if it makes that difficult because you've built such it's a too late for me. They don't treat me like I'm an <laughs> owner at all. They cuss me. They yeah. They, they they do not see me as an owner at all. But the way I see it, it working is that they value the business. And hand on my heart, I can say almost every single member of staff has worked for free at some point. Oh really? So well. if, if we say let's say a Saturday comes and we're so busy. We'll just put on the group, dying, help, whoever's about, they'll come. And they'll just come through. They, they won't put themselves on the rotor, they'll stay for hours, work, and nothing's ever said. Like, I'm not like, I don't, I don't have to be like, oh my God, thank you so, so much. Because we're friends and they genuinely care about the business, um, they will help out. I, you know, there are That's people who have left years ago, and <laughs> if I'm desperate for staff, I'm like, are you free that they say? They're like, yeah, I can come in. And they'll, and they'll just work, um, they give ideas. Uh, they help me with you know social media. They give you know it, it's it's loads of entrepreneurs or people who own businesses will say that you know remind yourself that you're an employer. But for me, I, I genuinely haven't needed to. Um, you know we 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 do it together. Like we genuinely do it together. Um, like if 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 I'm the owner, so if I want to sit down, I'll be able to sit down. They won't let me. So they have now half an hour break. I'm only allowed a half an hour break. So once my time is up, they will actually call me and be like, hello, your break's over, come back to the back. And I'm, I'll, I'll just be like, all right, cool, I guess I'm coming back to the back. Um, yeah, they don't treat me like an uh, owner at all. Well, I'm sure you're okay with it and you've sort of made Yeah, it doesn't, because no one has, has ever exploited that. Mm. We've never fired anybody. Um, we've never had an issue with anybody. We always go on trust. When it comes to hiring people, what we normally do is we ask the staff if you know somebody that you can oh, vouch okay. for. Um, we don't have to look at the CV. Let's just somebody's being trialed right now oh, in the okay. back, and I have no idea who this person is, but sh he's a friend of one of our current employees. I said to her, <laughs> "If you know someone and you can vouch for him, I don't need to know anything about him. Just bring him in, trial him in. If he works, he's got the job." Um, and that's how we work. Almost all of our employees are actually friends of other employees. Yeah, I've done that as well. I've done that. It's, it's just, it just works for me and works on trust. If you mm. trust, if I trust you and you trust, and you trust that person, makes sense. then I, I have no issue. Uh, mm. I don't have to be here because I know they won't steal, they won't steal anything. Um, I know that they'll value the shop that, you know, I don't have to be like remind customers to do this or smile or anything like that. They want the success of this business just as much as I do. And that's why, I honestly love coming to work. I mean, some days you're like, oh. yeah, yeah. But on the, the whole, I love my business so much because I know my staff value it so much. Um, one of my staff members, we had a private booking and he brought all his stuff from home just to make it look wow. like really good. He's like, so you know what? true love from your employees. They're genuinely, yeah. genuinely. Yeah. Um, when they see me struggling, there was a period last year when I was really, really ill. I, I couldn't work at all. Like, I felt like I was going to collapse. They just took it. They're like, "You go home." Was that from exhaustion of working, or? Um, I don't, I don't know. Or it was, I, I was never diagnosed with anything. Um, but was it mentally or physically? 
well, it, for me, it was physical. Okay. Like I physically couldn't stand. Um, I was oh, having wow. real strong bouts of dizziness, but they couldn't find a diagnosis. Um, oh. It lasted like five or six months, and I honestly thought I was going to die. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat a single thing. And they didn't know what it was. No, um, they thought it, it might have been anxiety, but oh. not really. Someone who who deals with this. like maybe it was anxiety, but um, you know, uh, even if I was on shift. We had some staff members who did the entire day, you know, from 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. Yeah. And they were like, you know, it doesn't matter, you go sit down or you go home, we'll take care of it. And we're talking about incredibly busy days. And because they had genuinely care, genuine care for me and the business, they're like, it doesn't matter. They struggled, they suffered just because they didn't want but to see me to do that. Just because of a love for the business. Yeah, and I will say to them that if they over open up a business, um, I will 100% do the same for them. Uh, in fact, I do. There are a couple of them who have started, you know, their own independent things. And I'm like, if you ever did anything for me, you know, forget as a favor back, but you know, you're my friend. I'll 100% uh, be there mm. for you. I'll support mm. your business. I'll help your business. Um, and that's how I run my business, you know, purely based on trust and friendship. And it and it works. It works no, for me. Good. That's yeah. good. So you're very much a people person in the sense of when it comes to you. I'm a friend person. I wouldn't say I'm a people person. Most okay. people don't like me. You know, okay. like <laughs> if they don't know me, they won't like me. But once people get to know me, um, yeah. then I will give you my everything. If someone's people. looking to start their own business, yeah. um, what's a piece of advice that you'd give them? If they were starting to business like, you know, a restaurant, cafe, yeah. something of similar what you've yeah. been into. What, what if, if, if you could sort of give yourself a bit of advice yeah. maybe five six years ago mm. what piece of advice would you give that okay. person? Well, I have a list okay. um, but I have to say this is personal to me okay. so there's no one way of being an entrepreneur yeah, of course, or there's yeah. no one way of starting a business but I have friends uh, or people I know who ask me for advice on starting a business and I normally give them a list one is never give up more than 51% uh, of your business if it's your business keep it as yours don't let Why anyone is that? Just for the people that don't know about the whole 51%. Um, because if you give up more than 51% of your business, whoever else owns uh, the other shares has either equal rights to your business or more rights to you to make changes. So if you called it Coco and you owe 49% of the business, whoever owns 51% of the business could change that change name. Yeah, yeah. They could change the way it's run. If you are the CEO, they can throw you out as CEO. They, can out. they can't take away your shares, that will always be yours, mm. but that will no longer be your business. Mm. So never, ever give away more than 51. No matter how, how the owner of Nando's can come up to you and say, I had this much success. Unless you're in it for the money, yeah, then, then give away yeah, 99% and have yeah, that 1% if you want, if you yeah. can make the money from it. But if that business means something to you, never give up more than 51%. Um, no, never give up more than 49% of your business um, because you have to always have 51% uh, or more. Um, secondly, use other people's money if you can. Uh, really? I know uh, loads of people will say other Okay, other I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, firstly, is because I imagine most entrepreneurs are young and so you probably don't have a lot of money. Uh, if you're from working class family like I am, money will probably be, mean more to you than it does to someone who has £100,000, okay. right? So if someone comes to you and they're an investor and they already invest in other businesses, they're already used to uh, making or losing tens of thousands of pounds. So I'm not saying play with people's money because that's 
your character. I'm, I'm yeah, talking yeah. to the people who have genuine character and they care about other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Not we're not here to exploit anyone. Yeah, or so just kind as of long as you're not here to exploit people or to play around with people's money, mm. use other people's money because. So you're saying pro investment, get investment 100%, from people 100%. in order for you to achieve. Because what you if you're achieve. from a working class family like I am, makes sense. If makes I had sense. ten thousand pounds, yo, the value I would hold to that money, yeah, of course, is yeah, not yeah. the same that someone who is a millionaire yeah, would course. hold ten thousand pounds. People go on holidays for ten thousand yeah, pounds, yeah. whilst I make a life from yeah. ten thousand pounds. Yeah. So if you're in an opportunity like that where someone who already invests in money. Don't I'd say if someone who's also equally you know from working class family says I've got ten thousand pounds, be a little bit wary because they might also hold that value as much as, as, you, value yeah. as you do, and it's probably unless you really believe in your business and you have um, a a book or a folder that you can show that you're very confident in making that money back. Try not to use their money. Try and look for investors because they're looking for people like you anyway. Their entire business is looking for people like you. So find people like that and trust me, they're very easy to find, especially in the Muslim community now because a lot of our people have money now. Mm. Um, approach them, show them how confidently you believe in your money, uh, in your business and show them, you know, don't just talk to them, oh, you know, Waffles are really popular right now, yeah, yeah. and so therefore, yeah. oh, I have a business that does chai. Look at chaiwala. Chaiwala is really successful. Yeah. I want to emulate chaiwala. Therefore, you'll make money. You know, I would double like cool story, and I'd walk away. Show them actual finances of how their money is going to bring them money. Show them actual numbers. How much money you you think you're going to take in, and what are you basing that off? Um, where your profit margins are and also how you think your business is different to anybody else's i think uh, you go to any asian person and they can tell you how many rip-offs there are of chaiwala oh, right well, now yeah. it's because i, think I, I like don't know why they have this idea that there's a model of success let let's not even emulate let's completely rip yeah off. that's that's what gets to me it's the fact that you haven't taken inspiration from it. You haven't got, okay, that works for that business. I'll take a little bit from there. I'll take a little. They've literally copied and pasted and yeah. just chained, like, added an extra yeah. I in the jar or something. Yeah. Or Jai Wiley or something. You know what the craziest, and I, I've always said this, I said, like, there's there's no, like, creativity. There's no, there's no nothing. It's just literally a copy and paste job. Yeah. But what amazes me is people still go to these places. Yeah, but I guarantee you they're not making money. They're, well, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're you know, getting by, they've got a little money here. Yeah. And the thing is, fine, you'll get along. You might make a few hundred, a few thousand a month or something, that's fine. But your numbers will never compare to Chaiwala. Of course, yeah. And if you're looking, because when I start a business, I want it to be a success. I don't want to just about, just about yeah, you know, course, make ends yeah. meet. Yeah. There's no point in that. Um, so if somebody came to me and said, I want to start a chai business, I'm going to call it, I'll be like, okay, you, you, you go do that. Um, so try and find something that's creative. It's okay to use inspiration. I mean, it's quite clear from my flower walls yeah, that yeah, I yeah. use inspiration. I've got flower from, from very you know popular yeah. brands in London. Of course, you know, there's, 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 there are very few new ideas anymore. You know, it's very hard to think of new ideas. But use inspiration. That's absolutely fine. But don't just rip off completely yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. a business. Um, Oh, so, so I forgot my list. Okay, yeah. So, so um, use other people's money if you can. Investors, um, make sure you have a business plan. If you don't have a business plan, you're not going to be taken seriously, and you won't make money. And thirdly, um, is exploit 
and I don't like to use that word freely, but exploit social media. Um, mm. Right now, and this trend won't last. I don't think um, your great-grandchildren are going to be millionaires because you might be. But right now, it does not matter if you're in the city center. It doesn't matter if you're in London. If you have the ability to entice the younger millennials and Gen Z, you can still be just as successful as anyone who's in the city center. Um, you just need to know your market. Know how to cater to millennials, young millennials and Gen Z because they don't necessarily care about I mean, don't get me wrong, the quality of my food is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The quality yeah. of my food is good, but I honestly don't believe that is the leading factor anymore. Okay, okay. Um, what they care for is an experience. Okay. If you can offer them an experience, then they will be more forgiving on other things. Mm. So, the number one thing for me in Coco is the experience. So, I, I'm, I make sure everything is aesthetically pleasing yeah, everything yeah. looks good um, that you look good in my setting that my food looks good on your pictures um, that when you come here you can get dressed up like the band of uh, people who come here dressing like pastel pinks and yellows because they want to tie into yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to the look um, that's what works for me because we're not in the city centre we're just off of it and if you think about it there isn't that much football here at all. You yeah, have yeah, people yeah. walking here and there. But while you're sitting here, you'll notice maybe 1% of our customers are football. 99% yeah. people know who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've come specifically for us. Yeah. And that's how we run. Um, we invest a lot on our social media. Um, and one thing that I've all... Because I've studied marketing, so I know, I know how these things work. Um, I exploit social media, I exploit TikTok and, and Instagram into creating a narrative that I believe Gen Z and millennials uh, are after. And if that. you can do the same, and it's not just cafes, you know, we have dentists who, who do the same thing. We have estate agents, we have, you know, restaurants and bars and pubs. You just have to know your market, exploit that market. Um, and then I honestly do believe that you can be a success. Um, my brother has just opened up uh, an ice cream place and I'm kind of, you know, helping him with that. Is that what you were talking about when you said you're starting another business? No, 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 that's something else. Are you starting another uh, Oh, no, no, it's the same same business, but oh. it's somewhere else. Oh, you're doing an, mm. okay, you're opening a new store. Yeah, um, but with him, I, was, I keep telling him that um, exploit the market and trust me you will be a success and day by day his business has actually been growing social media is king man yeah right now social yeah media it is, is but you have to remind yourself that it isn't going to last yeah and this is where the second point of my business is that you can have and there are loads of places where they are beautiful as hell and people will come but they'll only come once mm. because you don't follow through they, they may come here for the photographs but they'll come again for the food yeah so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, the yeah, second yeah. point of my business is that make sure you can um deliver. follow through make sure yeah. you can deliver and make sure you can keep that retention make sure your food is banging where it looks the part 
to get them in for the first time mm. and taste the part mm. so that you can bring them in for the second, third, that fourth, is, fifth that's time. That's so true, yeah. Um, and, and that's something that I live on and that's what I fear a lot of these Instagrammable cafes don't live off mm. of. I've seen so many pretty cafes and obviously because I'm a competitor, I always make sure I go there. And I go there, I'm like, yo, your place is pretty, you spend a lot of mini money onto this, but I know you are going to close in two or three years. Because there's no because reason for them to come back. Yeah, I will They've come back pictures, once, come pictures, yeah. You know, but the experience probably wasn't that great, the customer service was probably wasn't that great. And most the of food all, the food is standard. Yeah, yeah. You know, the food I got here, I can get from anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I've noticed is, uh, not to flatter myself, but a lot of the food we do, I'm beginning to see in other places. Okay, okay. I'm like, fine, you'll do that, but at least do it good. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I go there, I'm like, listen, your brioche baked toast is like, you know, yeah. if you're gonna copy me, like, yeah, make yeah. sure it tastes the do part. It properly, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, how have I just paid seven quid for this? Like, our, our brioche isn't cheap. I put my hands up and say that, you know, you yeah. can get other brioche baked toast for like four pound, five pound. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee you, it won't taste like ours. Okay. You know, um, I'll have to try it. Yeah, you should honestly. Yeah. It is really good. I'll, I'll get one of the stuff to make it for you because it genuinely is. It is really, really good. That's the one thing that I'm like. Is that what would you say your number one salad? That brioche. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent brioche. Um, it's it's just it just hits right. But I, I can't tell you how we cook it, but yeah, everyone yeah. else does a does the standard way of making French toast, which is you know dip in egg, put on a griddle pan, blah blah okay. blah. But yeah. that isn't how we do it. Okay. Um, and that's what sets us apart. Is because it can often get greasy, and I'm thinking about it now because I hate French toast. Like I hate, you know, when you dip it in egg and yeah, put it on. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. always hated it. Um, and when I go there, that's it tastes eggy and it tastes, um, yeah, it tastes like greasy, and I hate yeah. it. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not how am I paying seven pounds with a bit of Nutella drizzle Nutella, on top? Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. cool, cool, cool. It doesn't look that pretty. You know, it doesn't have that that special character and. You know, people will come once, they'll be like, oh, this is nice. I've got my pictures, but I'm not coming again. But I think that's where your baking experience has come into play, where you've got all this experience now. Yeah, yeah. We have bakers as well, in-house. We don't have cakes now because they've sold out. Oh, but right, we yeah. sell out really quickly and we're struggling it's with It's a good that. problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> no worse problems yeah. to have, yeah. But normally we have cakes lined up here. Yeah. Um, but I know they're baking right now because when I left, I, I saw them baking. Um, and um, we bake everything in house, and that's one of my pet peeves. Is before artisan, the re- one of the reasons why I how uh, was part of artisan because every time I go to a dessert parlor, I'm like, I know you've got this from Costco. Yeah, Stop yeah, telling yeah. me this is the homemade. same, the same thing, it's the exact yeah, same yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And for some people, it works. You know, they have low margins, um, but they sell loads of it, yeah, 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 and yeah. that's fine. But when 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 we have these really fancy places, and we know which fancy place we're talking about. You know, they spend a lot of money, a million pounds on getting know, a decor right. And I'll go there and it's a fancy ass plate. And yet it's the same waffle that I can get anywhere else. And I'm paying 12 pounds. I'm like, you can fool these guys. You're not fooling me. You know, I don't know whether it's because I've got my own place, but I think I know which one you're talking about. And I've been saying the same thing to everyone that I meet. They go, yeah, it looks amazing. In my opinion, and th- me, this is, I would, I would never bash anyone. I would never bash any other business. If it's working for you, do I your do, thing, I'm man. Sure like, just, just, just do your thing, yeah. yeah. If you're getting success, you're more success to you. But with this one particular place, they've smashed it in regards to like the way it looks, the aesthetics, everything. But it's the same waffle, it's the same cheesecake, it's the same. Do you see what I mean? It's yeah, one hundred percent. The only difference is instead of doing a squeezy bottle, they'll do they'll do a brush. Yeah, they'll do the brush. But then this goes back to the point that you made was, it's the whole experience. They they're going for the whole experience and 
and just it's a hard song because I just wish they'd follow it through. Like, yeah. I think our community deserves better. That's just this is a personal thing. I, I mean, if you go to places like that that are catered for white people, you know, they'll make it in house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But our community hasn't quite yet um, demanded that same level, level of, of quality. quality yeah. From our own place. I think yeah. it's coming though. I think, yeah, it is you know, coming. If you go to London, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. already there. It's if you're coming. not making that in house, because that's the call next you step. First, it was like let's get the waffles on the plate. Everyone got the waffles on the plate. Now it's like let's make it aesthetically pleasing. We made it look nice. Now it's all about the flowers and everything. Okay, now we got now. It's, so it's always what's next? What's yeah, next? Yeah, yeah. Now it's going to be like the quality of the food. People yeah. are going to start getting yeah. a bit fancier. Yeah. There's all these reviews, uh, blogs, and everything. They're going to start being a bit more. Pick here in regards yeah, to like man. their reviews and My stuff. God, so, you know what? Once somebody reviewed us and they gave us a negative review. Do you know why? Because we had a del- delivery of strawberries, <laughs> and they were like, we "We're disappointed that you don't grow your own strawberries." Yeah, they magically what think the that f- we've got some farm in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you think we have a cow in the back that we get our milk from as well, and some chicken that we yeah. slaughter in the back? Like, there's strawberries. Like, what the heck? And then every now and then, I when I'm in my bed and I'm you know having a calm day, I just Think about that. Think about the person <laughs> who gave us a negative review because we brought strawberries. He's <laughs> hilarious. What are you gonna do? What's next for Coco? Bye, Ali. So we have a second store already. It's in Leicester, and it's like maybe about four times the size of this, maybe oh, wow. more. And it's such a beautiful building. Like I, I went to this building when it was a cafe before, and I sat there thinking, ah, oh, I wish one day I could have something like this. I, rem- I remember it, it was about maybe three years ago and I was because I love Victorian buildings like okay. that's that's the thing I love the most you know tall ceilings, tall ceilings yeah. strong buildings as well yeah, I just love them so much and lo and behold alhamdulillah you know three years later it's mine but mine my business dream, partner, dreams ours. are a powerful thing man for sure for sure and you know it's, it's ours now and we're doing it up we you know the amount we spent on here we're probably spending about six times on that because yeah, we have yeah. that money now Alhamdulillah, thank God we have that money to do that and I am so genuinely so excited for that because that is a whole new ball game because it's going, you know, it's going to look so, so beautiful. Um, You know, it's it's very, you know, 90% of our customers will be looking now actually, Mm. uh, are females. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, thankfully, that's my forte anyway, you know, I'm my, aesthetically, I'm feminine anyway, so like that's, that's, that's my game. And I, my, my business partner, like he's like a lads lad. He's like, you know, he's my friend, but he's like very, very, you know, the alpha male type. Is he the polar opposite to you? He's then? The polar opposite. But I've been drawing out his like feminine side, <laughs> like because he hates pink with a passion. He just okay, hates okay, it. Yeah. But now him like, oh no, that shade of pink's nice. Or like, it's all the pastel colors, aren't they? Yeah, they? yeah. But so slowly, slowly, I've been drawing out his like feminine side, and he's been playing with like <laughs> trees, like. But we, the things we've got. Pl- plan for that honestly i can't wait till we open when, when are we looking to get that inshallah august the beginning august, of august yeah. um we're on track to get it ready by then um uh, we have people in there right now working doing on it uh we, we still go in like once a week or once every two weeks and do some work on it ourselves because that way we know like it's doing it's going how we want it to go, where you want to go yeah. um but yeah uh, that that's that's gonna be uh hopefully august just getting it ready sounds exciting man and I wish you more success and may Allah make it easy for you right we'll wrap this up but before we wrap it up we haven't really spoke much about the actual baking so if there's bakers out there watching and they're watching this because of you they know about you what would be sort of some advice that you'd give to some bakers that are maybe going into that career 
any, any advice you'd give to them? Up uh, to um, one, as I've said throughout this whole interview, don't give a crap about what anyone else says. Preach, yeah. I always say every single person who's born, I truly believe that every single person is born with a talent. God won't put you on this planet to do nothing. Nobody's a bystander here. If you are given a talent of baking, use it because why would you deny that gift from God? It's, it literally is a gift. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't see it as a role for a certain gender. It's a talent. Grip it by its throat and utilize it. So um, if you have the talent of baking and you want to go into that profession, just go into it. There are opportunities out there. There are businesses who are always looking for bakers to bake in-house. We're one of them. Um, you can go to patisserie schools. They often offer scholarships as well. Um, and to be honest, we need people like that in our community. Mm. You know, we're an up-and-coming community. We don't have, you know, statistically, statistically speaking, we're still less well off than um, than white people in the community in in the country, and I think we deserve better. Um, so when opportunities like this come, take them, take your talent. Uh, don't care about what other people are thinking and. Yeah, just just do it if you can. I mean, should you have a backup? Yeah, I always say to everyone, if you're especially from a working class background, make sure you see through university. I know loads of people will say don't. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely do believe that not all dreams come true. So it's always important to have a backup. Yeah. And sometimes university is that backup. Mm. Um, so if you're in a position where you can go to university, go to university, finish your degree. If you're then at an opportunity where you can uh, have some financial stability to try baking uh, and doing that as a course or uh, as a as a business then absolutely give it a go because there is a market there for you um, and if you need advice just dm me i almost always apply to a reply to everyone i'm more than happy to give personalized advice um, but yeah just dm me if people do want to reach out to you mm -hmm. online on any of your social media platforms What's your, what's your Insta tag? What Ali Imdad Bakes. Same thing everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Ali Imdad Bakes. But I normally reply on Insta. So if you Facebook or Twitter me, I, I might ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't see it. But Insta DM, because it, it, it beeps on my phone, I'd see it. Um, so I will 100% I will reply to everyone. But if you're going to say, can I have a job, please don't message me. <laughs> message Coco. Like, Coco has her own D, uh, DM, Coco by Ali. Message them, and when they're looking, they'll reply to you. But uh, if you because so many people say we can have a job, I'm like I don't I don't deal with that, and I want it hard to say no. So I'm like okay, okay, and then I have like 15 people, and at one time. So please don't message me, message Coco by Ali. Right, uh, Ali, really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your insights, guys. Until the next one. <laughs>